It's a recorded message that's sent out to a large number of people. Don't you love it when the telephone rings or you're sitting down for supper and it's some recorded call? Oh, my, it can be so uh, annoying, uh, but we get them all the time. We call them robocalls. I don't tell you a call that you better not put on your voicemail. Well, it's all right to put on your voicemail, but it's better to answer this call. You know what the call it is? Here's a robocall definition. It's a telephone call from an automated source that delivers a pre-recorded message to a large number of people, according to the Webster's Dictionary. And so we get these calls all the time. But I want to tell you something. There's a call that you don't need to put and allow it to go to your voicemail. There's a call, and I'm going to call it this morning, a Jesus call. God is calling you right now. I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 21. Look with me, please, in the Gospel of John chapter 21. We just gathered around the Lord's table. What a blessing it was to my heart. I love that experience. And in John chapter 21, the Lord Jesus has already been crucified. He's been raised from the grave like he predicted he would be. And now he has appeared to his disciples with Thomas and then without Thomas. And furthermore, Peter has denied him and has not uh, been able to really get healing and move on. And so the Lord appears as Peter and the disciples go fishing, and yet they've caught nothing all night. And there's a figure standing on the shore, named the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and uh, Peter and John all night long fishing, and, and yet the Lord said, cast your net over the side of the boat. And they recognized it was the Lord who was standing on the shore. Now, I said all that to bring us to John chapter 21. Zero in, please, in verse 12. I want to share with you, time permitting, this message, Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling. John 21 and verse 12. If you'd like to stand as we read the Word of God, you can do so right now. And John 21 and verse 12. Jesus said unto them, Come and dine. Brother Kenneth mentioned that just a few minutes ago in his prayer. Come and dine. Let's say that together. Come and dine. Again, come and dine. It's an invitation of fellowship with the Lord. And he's inviting us. He's calling us today. Come and dine. Father, thank you for the word of God. I thank you, Father, that you invite us. And Jesus, you're calling us today. Help us to hear you. Help us to respond to your calling. Every and all distractions, oh God, any and all unconfessed sin, even though, Lord, we had a time to wait before you. God, just zero in on us now and be glorified, we pray, as we, uh, oh, Father, want to yield to you and hear your call, respond in the affirmation, yes, Lord. So be glorified, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right, Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling. I want you to follow with me in the message today, Jesus is calling. Number one, Jesus is calling us A, and I want to give you some ABCs to Jesus is calling. A, he's calling us, number one, to be available. Be available. What do I mean? In the book of Isaiah, chapter number six, Isaiah saw the Lord high lifted up. It was in the days of King Uzziah. And he saw the Lord lifted up in his, his exaltation. And so Isaiah looks at himself. 
Hello? And he sees his own degradation. Woe is me, man of unclean lips. And yet he answers when the Lord says, Who will go? Whom shall we send? Here am I, Lord. Send me. He sees the Lord lifted up in his affirmation. It was in the days where King Uzziah died, and the Lord was lifted up. Have you seen the Lord in his glory? Have you? Have you seen the Lord in his glory? I want to tell you, when you see the Lord in his glory, every one of us will come away saying, Woe is me. Somebody said Isaiah was the only prophet that had a horse. I don't know about that. You know the horse's name? Is me. Woe is me. Hello. You'll get it later, all right? The prophet Isaiah, he saw the Lord lifted up in his exaltation. He saw himself in his own degradation. And he answered with the affirmation, Here am I, Lord. Send me. I want to tell you something. This was the passage God called me into the ministry. It started with, confession and then it led to cleansing and then it led to calling Isaiah saw the Lord the seraphim took the coals off the altar touched his lips he was cleansed I said God I can't preach the gospel who am I and the Lord showed me there was unconfessed sin in my life this is a number of years ago 36 years ago but this is a special passage he's calling us one to be available. Are you available for the Lord? Are you available for the Lord? Somebody said, we're too busy to be available for the Lord these days. We drive bank finance cars over bond finance highways on credit card gas to go into the department store to open an account for our to fill our savings loan home. We're too busy. We owe too much. We're too busy to serve the Lord. Well, if we're too busy to serve the Lord, something's wrong. Are you available for God to say, I want to use you? B. Not only answering the call, Jesus is calling us to be available. Will you be available today? Jesus is calling us, be, to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, be not drunk with wine for success, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Say that with me. Be filled with the Spirit. Say it again. Be filled with the Spirit. One more time. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? It means to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. The word is pleruste. Be filled with the Spirit. Are y'all filled with the Spirit? Are you a Spirit-filled daddy? Are you a Spirit-filled mama? Are you a Spirit-filled Christian? If not, why not? It's a command. It's in the imperative mood. It's plural in form. It's not just for preachers, not just for deacons, not just for Sunday school teachers. It's for everybody. It's in the present tense. It means keep on being filled. Hey, the Lord is calling us to be Spirit-filled. You know our problem? Our problem is we battle with the flesh. Y'all look up here just a moment. Our problem is we battle with the flesh. The Spirit and the flesh, they're in confrontation to one another. You know what Paul said? He said in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, he said, walk in the Spirit. You should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh lusts against the Spirit. The Spirit against the flesh. They're in total opposition to one another. You may not do the things you please. And the Indian chief said it this way. He said, it's like two dogs fighting in me all the time. Can I get an amen? You know what I'm talking about. It's like two dogs fighting in me all the time. I know what I ought to do, but for some reason I don't do it. And what I don't, it's like these two dogs, a brown dog, a black dog. Somebody said, which dog wins? If I feed the black dog strong, the starve the, black, the brown dog, the black dog will win every time. But if I feed the brown dog, starve the black dog, the brown dog will win every time. What am I saying? I'm saying this. If you feed your flesh and starve your spirit, your flesh is going to win. Are you a spirit-filled Christian? 
Jesus is calling us to be spirit-filled. Have you ever, I'm not asking if you're saved, I'm saying has there ever been a point in time in your life when you said, God, fill me with your spirit. I'm tired of living in the flesh. I'm tired of letting the flesh dictate my thoughts and my actions. Oh God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. He's calling us to be spirit-filled. Jesus is calling us not only to be spirit-filled, notice, He's calling you right now to do what? See. What does see mean? To be carefree. To be carefree. First Peter chapter 5. Peter, the one who denied the Lord, wrote this in First Peter 5. He said, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him. Throwing, literally, all your care upon him. Carefree. Oh, but pastor, I got so many cares in my life. I understand. What are you worried about today? Is it your family? Is it your finances? Is it your future? What are you worried about today? He's calling us to be carefree. He's calling us to throw our care on him. Will you do that today? He's calling you. Don't put that phone on voicemail. Answer the phone. Why are you careful? Why are you worried? Why are you anxious? Oh, God said, answer the call. I'll take the burden. Cast thy burden upon the Lord. He shall sustain thee. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. I love the book of Matthew chapter 6. You'll notice in the context of care and worry and God supplying our needs, namely with the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, he said in chapter 6, verse 34, after chapter 6, verse 33, by the way, chapter 6, verse 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. Speaking of worry and food and clothing, etc. And then verse 34, take no thought of tomorrow. I love this verse. I love this verse. I absolutely love this verse. You need a blessing today? How many want a blessing today? Take this verse home with you. Take no thought of tomorrow. For tomorrow shall take thought of itself. Sufficient is the day thereof. Oh, thank you, God. I don't have to take on the cares of tomorrow, worries of tomorrow. Jesus is calling you today to be carefree. Number next, Jesus is calling us, D, to be dedicated. I'll tell you what, beloved. I had the privilege of preaching revival down at Richmond Hill at a church called Daniel Baptist Church. And this one thing I'm seeing everywhere I go. Watch, I'm not being critical. I'm just saying this. Christians uncommitted. Christians just don't care. Christians, I'm not saying they don't love the Lord, but just Christians who just, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to figure out. Not dedicated. There's Christians who are dedicated. There's some who are not dedicated. Why aren't we dedicated? If we believe in heaven, if we believe that Jesus is coming, if we believe we're going to die one day, if we believe the word of God, it seems like to me that that would make us more dedicated. And listen to what Paul said in Romans 12, 1 and 2. He said, I beseech you, brethren, that word beseech is the word parakaleo. I urge you, brethren, are you dedicated? Are you? Can God use you? Does God want to use you? Yes, absolutely. I beseech you, brethren, by the, he said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Have you presented your body a living sacrifice? Holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Yes, it's the presentation. It's the transformation that takes place. 
we present ourselves to God and say, dear Lord, I'm yours. But I want to tell you something, beloved. You know what? You know why many of us are confused today? You know why many people are mixed up today? You know why many people are double-minded today? I'll tell you why. It's the Word of God has got the power to transform our mind. And we're not letting the Bible transform our mind. We're coming and we're hearing the Bible, but we're just hearing it. We're not doing it. We're not mixing it with faith as Hebrews chapter 1 uh, Hebrews chapter 4 rather says we're to mix the word of God with faith we're not just to hear the word we're not to let it be like water on a duck's back we're to apply the word we're to meditate on it memorize it we're to let it be applied to our life are you allowing the word of God to be applied to your life can I tell you all this simply put I want to testify before the Lord saved me I was mixed up messed up man I listened to all the worldish music I listened to all of what the world had to say. I went to church every once in a while. I had religion, but not a relationship with God. Man, I was all mixed up. And I want to tell you, if today, if I stop, if I stop reading my Bible, if I start listening to the world's music and all the, all the things of the world, then I'm going to get confused. Why? Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Our mind is critical because our mind affects our emotions, and our emotions affects our behavior. So I've got to be careful. You've got to be careful what you put in your mind. And so it was the transforming power of God that changed my mindset. Let me explain. I got to reading how God would love me. Wow, I didn't feel love. I didn't see how God could love me. I didn't see how God would accept me in his family. I, I just felt so unworthy. I felt like an outcast. I felt like I'd messed up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I felt like, God, how could you love me? How could you call me your son? How could you adopt me in your family? Oh, God, but you tell me I'm forgiven. You tell me I'm accepted. You tell me that you've cast my sins as far as the east is from the west. You tell me you've got a plan for me. You tell me you've got a purpose for me. Oh, thank you, Lord. And that began to change my mind and my heart. It was a transforming power of God. Not willpower, but God's power. Oh, yes, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Jesus is calling you and me to be dedicated, be dedicated, not a casual Christian. This world's full of casual Christians who hit and miss. Now, many of you, and I appreciate your commitment and your dedication to the Lord. Praise God. I really mean that. I was thinking here recently of so many that are dedicated to the Lord. But wait a minute. Jesus is calling us not only for dedication, E, to encourage each other. How many need encouragement today? Uh, all of us need encouragement today. Write this verse down. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Paul said it this way. Brethren, if a man be overtaken at a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear one another's burden, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Encourage one another. We need to encourage each other when we get together. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. Write that verse down. Exhort one another daily while it is called today. You see, we, as God's calling us, Jesus is calling us to reach out a healing hand to a hurting brother. Jesus is calling us to reach out a helping hand to a brother that's under a load. Jesus is calling us to reach out a hopeful hand to a brother that's discouraged. Listen to verse 9 of Galatians chapter 6. The scripture says in Galatians 6, 9, Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And so the Lord is calling us to encourage each other. Yes, the Lord is calling us, not only that, but to forgive each other. F, Jesus is calling. Calling what? 
for us to forgive each other. Listen to what Paul said, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 to 32. He said, verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving. I'm giving you references to all these scriptures, by the way. I didn't write them down. You can write them down. Verse 32 of chapter 4, be kind, Ephesians, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Hey, look, forgiveness means release. Forgiveness means let go. Forgiveness means uh, being willing to release the hurt or pain inflicted by somebody else. How many today? How many today have been hurt this week? How many today have been, uh, I heard about somebody that came to church uh, the other day, and they talked to somebody else. They said they were hurt or they were offended by something somebody said. God help us. It happens all the time. We've got to forgive each other. We've got to forgive each other. Jesus hung on a cross. I'll never understand it as a little boy looking at a Bible story book. You remember those Bible story books? And I saw a man hanging on the cross as a little boy. I thought, I read the caption. It said, Father, forgive them. They know not what to do. I thought, who in the world is this man hanging on a cross? How could he forgive those men? For It looked like he was beaten. It looks like he was ble bleeding. It looked like he was nailed to the cross. How could he forgive them? And all of a sudden, God began to prick my heart and later in life understood how he could forgive them, how he become sin for us who do no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, how God the Father, being a holy God, must judge sin, must punish sin, and in order for him to forgive our sin and to justify us just as if we have not sinned, to declare us righteous before a holy God, blood had to be shed, and it was through the blood of his son, a man that came to live a life without sin. He didn't lie, didn't cheat, he didn't do what things we do, and that's why he could die for me. The Word became flesh who and dwelt among us. And it was Jesus who was willing to become a, a sacrifice for our sin. I can understand that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in Him, if I believe in Him, if I trust in Him, He'd save me from my sin. I said, dear God, you don't know what I've done. God said, it's not what you've done, it's what I've done. Amen. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Forgiveness. As far as the east is from the west, I begin to read that. I begin to read how the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. I'll tell you all something. Y'all listen to me. If I was to bring a screen of your life before everybody, probably most of us, me the most of all, would have to run and dig a hole in the ground and hide my head in shame. You would too. Because our righteousness is filthy rags. But he that's been forgiven much loveth much. That's why I love the Lord. I'm not just saying that, folks. Every once in a while, the devil will remind me of the sins I committed. Can I get a witness? But I say, yes, but the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace. I'm glad for the blood. Amen. Amen. Some of us know we've done some bad stuff. But oh, thank God he doesn't remember it anymore. Puts in the depths of the sea. What sin are you talking about? How can you not love a God like that? How can you not dedicate your life to a God like that? I don't understand. Maybe you hadn't come to the place where you understand that the soul that sinners shall surely die. That's your greatest need. F, forgiveness. G. What does G stand for? Oh, listen, God has done so much for us. And you see, 
not only does it forgive our sin, oh yes, His grace is sufficient. Yes, it is. His grace is sufficient. It's good news. Oh, yes, it is. And by the way, G can stand for give. You know what? When I come to the realization, watch this, that I don't own my possessions, rather, I'm a manager of what God has given me. That makes all the difference in the world, beloved. When, I, when you think you own it, then you, 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 you have been deceived because the Lord says it's in Him we live and move and have our being. And then not only that, but I realize that I'm required to be a good steward of what God's given me. God will not continue to trust me until I become a resource to be a blessing to others. Jesus put it this way, give and it should be given unto you. Good measure, press down, shake it together. Running over shall men give unto your bosom. That's Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. How about what Paul said? He said in the gospel of, uh, I say gospel, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6, 7, and 8. You know what he said? He said, he that, in the context of giving, churches that gave and people that gave, he said, he that sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He that sows bountifully will reap bountifully. As a man purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a, hilarious is the word, a cheerful giver. You know, it's all his anyway, praise the Lord. And you know, if I notice only people that have trouble when I preach on this subject are the ones that aren't giving. You're going to get a witness. Amen. You know what I'm talking about. Hey, God's gave us all for me. I can't outgive God. I can't outlove God. I can't outserve God. It's a privilege to join Him. Jesus is calling us to give, and it should be given unto you. But He's calling us H to be healers. Healers. Write this verse down. James five sixteen. James, the half brother of Jesus. You remember James? What did he say? He said in many things, but he said in chapter five, verse sixteen. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. You might be healed. Confess your faults. Confess your faults. Oh, we don't like to do that. Nobody's going to know about me. Yes, they do. God sees the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is complete toward him. You know what God said to Adam? When Adam sinned and Eve sinned, they ran and tried to hide with fig leaves. Oh, yeah. God said, where are you, Adam? What have you done? God knew exactly where he was at. God knows where you're at. I'm at. Hey, listen, young people. You think you can hide it from mom and daddy, and you might, but you can't hide it from God. You can't hide it from God, and neither can I, and neither can any of us. So let's just come on out in the light and say, God, you know my heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Healing. Confess your faults one to another. Therapeuo. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I'm telling you, you know what the church is consistent of today? See if you agree. Sin recovering addicts. Let me say it again. It's a good word to write down. Sin recovering addicts. We're all sin recovering addicts. If you think you're not, you have been misled, my friend. We're sin-recovering addicts. Every one of us, sin-recovering addicts, saved by the grace of God. And just when you think that you've arrived, God will show you you ain't arrived. <laughs> All right? Right? Can I get somebody to say amen? You know that in our flesh dwells no good thing, Romans 7 and 18. Healing. 
You can be healed today. But you know what we do? We sit in church and say, I'm not going to go up front. I'm not going to confess my sin. I don't want anybody to know. I'm, what are people going to think if I go to pray at the altar? And, 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 and you know, well, look, look. You want, you want to get healed? You want uh, spiritual healing? You want physical healing? You want emotional healing? Or you want to just keep it on? I got a feeling most of us, we'd rather go around talking about it and, and, and you know, feel sorry for me because of this and that and the other instead of getting healed. You've got to get over that. Stop being a martyr out of your you know, experience. We all go through hurtful experiences. But how many know it's time to move on? And I think we become so introspective. We just look at ourselves. Oh, poor me. Look what I've been through. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. And I know I've been there. And we beat ourselves up with poor self-image and inferiority complex. And God says, you're not telling me anything I don't know. I already know that about you. Trust me to forgive your sin. Trust me to bring healing in your life and move on and become the child of God I've called you to be. See, all this introspection and all this uh, picking our shores and going around with a martyr syndrome, it, it might make us feel a little better, but it's not getting the job done. God's saying, you got to move on. Wait a minute. Healing. I believe God wants to bring healing today. Will you let him? Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Ah. Jesus is calling you. What's he calling you to do? Watch this. Believe the impossible. You believe that? Believe the impossible. How many believe we serve a God of the impossibility? With men, some things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That's what the Lord said to Mary. Remember when she said, how am I going to have a baby? I don't even know a man. I believe. Listen, beloved. I believe. I believe. I believe that God, if he wants to, can still make an act head swim in the water in the days of Elisha an axe head remember when they were chopping down that tree and the axe head fell off and God supernaturally allowed that axe head to swim to the top oh I believe the Lord if the Lord wants to make a donkey speak he can do it if he wants to do it like he did in the days of Balaam he can still do that if he wants to if God says to the son son stand still as in the days of Joshua God can still do that it's not too hard for God. It's anything too hard for God. God can do anything. If he wants to move a mountain in your life, he can do it. If he wants to heal your body, he can do it. If he wants to calm the storm in your life, he can do it. Hey, are you going to believe him? Are you going to trust him? The God of the impossible. Jesus is calling us to A, be available. B, be filled with the Spirit. C, oh yes, to be carefree. D, to be dedicated, E, to encourage, F, to forgive, G, to give, H, to be healed, I, for the impossible, J. Jesus is calling us, you today, me today, to be joyful. Say that with me. Joyful. One more time. Some of God's people are the most miserable people on earth. I see a lot of Christians. You know what's miserable? This is what will happen. If you're sitting here today and you're not really dealing with your sin and we're talking about sin, it'll make you absolutely miserable. You're the most miserable person on earth when you're living in sin and you're not dealing with your sin and then you're hearing the truth of God. It will make you sick. It makes me sick when I'm out of the will of God and I just can't handle it anymore. And it just makes me absolutely the point where I just say, God, I just need help. But I'm glad you're here. J stands for joyful. 
How many remember the book of Habakkuk? It's in your Bible. It's a minor prophet book. And you know what Habakkuk did? Habakkuk was called in a day when the Chaldeans, the Babylonians were coming, and they were going to take over the Israelites. Habakkuk was saying what we say today. God is not fair. God, you're not fair. God, if you love us, why are you punishing us? Why are you chastising us, God? God, there's something wrong here. The wicked are prospering, and you're not dealing with the wicked. God, there's something wrong. That's what Habakkuk said. You ever said that? You probably said that. I try to go to church. My neighbors aren't going to church. They're not going through problems. And why am I going through problems? Learn this. It ain't over till it's over. And what we sow, we're going to reap. Sometimes we reap it at a later date. Galatians 6, 7 and 8. Whatsoever man sows, that's what he also reaps. He that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that sows to the spirit shall the spirit reap life everlasting. Habakkuk, watch this. I love this. In the last chapter, I'll come back to Habakkuk in a moment. The last chapter, chapter 3, if you're taking notes, chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. I love this. If you ever get discouraged and you want to be encouraged, read Habakkuk 3, verse 17 through 19. You know what he says? Although the fig tree shall not blossom and the fruit shall not be on the vine, and the labor of the olive shall fail, and the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and the field shall yield no meat. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. He'll make my feet like hinds feet, deer feet. Habakkuk says, watch this. Is there anybody here today who say, Pastor, things are going wrong? Habakkuk said, everything's going wrong. But I'm going to praise the Lord anyway. He makes my feet like hind's feet. I'm going up in high places. Oh, yes. Joyful. Are you going to be joyful? Hey, the choice to rejoice. God's calling us. Jesus is calling you. K, not only to be joyful. Watch this. He's calling us to keep fighting the good fight of faith. Write this verse down. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Paul said to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. How many know we're in a fight these days, amen? We're to be in the world, but we're not to be of the world because greater is he that is in me than he's in the world. And God says, keep fighting the good fight of faith. I know it's difficult. I can look at Christians every once in a while, and I'm there myself. They look like they've been wrung out and strung out and hanging over a clothesline. Man, I'm fighting the good fight of faith. Buddy, it's wearing me down. It's vexing me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You go out there day by day and things going on in this old world and injustice here and things that aren't happening just right. The Lord said, hey, look, the Lord said, just, just keep fighting the good fight of faith. L. Jesus is calling you to do what? Right over here. Love. Love. Love the Lord. Right. Where's that found? Matthew 22, verse 36, 37, 38. Notice Matthew chapter 22. Jesus said, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your being. Then you're to love your neighbor as yourself. He's calling us to love him, L, and then love. Can we say we love our neighbor? We got to love God. How many really want to say, Lord, I love you? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Don't say you love God and then, and, and it doesn't mean perfection, granted. It means uh, you got a heart bent toward the Lord. I love the Lord. L stands for love. And then M stands for motivated by love. Write this verse down. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Don't you love the Bible? Don't you love to go through the Word of God? Man, we go through the Word of God. 
And I tell you, the Word of God gets the job done. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 and 15. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 and 15. The love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge. If one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should no longer live henceforth for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. The love of Christ motivates me. Why do I get up in the morning? Why do I feel a need to go out and witness to people? Why do I feel a need to read my Bible? Why do I feel a need to pray? Even before I was a pastor, there was something in me that just, just tugged my heart. There was something in me and tugged my heart. I remember when I leave the house at 6 o'clock every morning to go to Bluebird Body Company over in Fort Valley, Georgia. Something tugged my heart to get up early and get in that dryer and washing machine room. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I fall too. But there's something in me that wants to, wants to get more. I'm hungry and thirsty for God. And there's something in you too. I know you're here. It's the love of Christ that motivates us. We got a brand new love with a brand new motivation. We got a brand new Lord with a brand new transformation. We got a brand new life with a brand new destination. Oh, yes. M motivated in the Lord's calling us today. You know what he's calling us to do? You'll like this. New vision. New vision. How many of y'all need new vision? Man, you need a new vision. You need new purpose. You need a new plan. Habakkuk. Let me carry you back to Habakkuk again. Write this verse down. New vision. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Habakkuk saying, I've got to have a word from God. God, all this stuff's happening, and I don't know what's going on. You're allowing the heathen nations to overtake your people. God, I need a word from you. And you know what Habakkuk did? He got up on a, he got up on a, a tower. Here's what he said. Chapter 2, verse 1. Write the vision, make it plain. That they that read it may run with it. Though it tarry, it will surely come to pass. You see... We are to watch expectantly, write obediently, and wait patiently. Do you get that? We're to write expectantly. That is, we're to write. Write the vision. Make it plain. Some of us need new vision. We're stuck in a rut. We're tired, sick and tired. We're discouraged. We're, uh, we're at a place where we just don't care. We just don't care. We don't give a flip about this or that or the other. Why? Because we need a new vision. We need to see Jesus in his glory. Today, this is our, this is our challenge is, 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 you know, I, I'm just complacent and I don't care and it's all about me and I'm just going through life and I'm just surviving. God says, no, my friend. No, my child. I've got much more for you. Don't settle for the world's way of just being entertained all the time. Don't be entertained all the time. And feel like you've got to go from one event to another again because you're emotionally uh, motivated and stirred by being, uh, and there's nothing wrong with being emotional, but, but there's got to be the spirit. You've got to feed that spirit, amen. And so, new vision, new purpose. Have you got new vision? Maybe you need to get with God today and say, God, I need a new vision. Show me my neighbors. Show me my neighbors that are lost. Show me my neighbors that are in the bed this morning. Show me my neighbors who are going to hell. Show me my neighbors who are backslidden, who are not serving you, who are missing out on the blessings. God, show me, birth it in my heart. Burden me, dear God, set a fire in my soul. Dear Lord, don't let me get indifferent. Don't let me get cynical. Don't let me get judgmental and critical. Dear God, break up that fire ground in my heart. Some of us need to do that today. O stands for obstacles turned into opportunities. Obstacles turned into opportunities. Jesus is calling you today to turn obstacles into opportunities. How many of y'all know the book of Ruth? Let me see your hand. The book of Ruth. 
I've got to preach this message fast. I'm sorry. I, you know, my time's going, and so I've got to just hit the high points and move on. And that's why I'm giving you these verses, okay? If you write them down, it'll help you look them up later. But it's all the Scripture, the Word of God, the book of Ruth. Here's a Moabite maid who's married to a bachelor in Bethlehem named Boaz. Ruth made a decision. She was at a crossroads in her life. Her husband had died. Her mother-in-law, Naomi, is going back to Bethlehem from Moab, house of bread. And Ruth said, Thy people should be my people, and thy God should be my God. You see, she made her obstacles turn into opportunities. Is there anybody here today that's got some obstacles? Is there anybody here that's facing, man, I just can't pay off my debt. Man, I just can't change that attitude. I just can't get them to do this. Rise above it. Rise above it. Rise above it. Rise above it. Don't let it carry you down. You're not the tail. You're the head. We're not defeated. We're victorious in Christ. It's high time to stop murmuring and start rising above. O stands for obstacles. P stands for prayer. Jesus is calling you to pray. Luke 18, 1. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Say it with me. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Say it again. You know what Jesus was doing? He said two men went to the temple to pray, a Pharisee and a publican. One stood up, the Pharisee, and said, I thank God I'm not like other men. I do all these good things. I'm paraphrasing. And then the other one, the publican, smote his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said that publican, the one that just smote his breast, would go down more justified. There was a good man that went to church that day that was lost. How many know good, being good, there's a lot of good old boys and good old girls in this old world that are lost without God. Being good is not good enough. And there was a bad man that was saved. Oh, yes. Prayer, prayer, yes, Q. You're going to really not like this. You know what Q stands for? Quit complaining. Jesus is calling us to quit complaining. Write this verse down. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. Do all things without murmuring and complaining. How many of y'all have been finding yourself complaining about this, that, and the other? Man, I, I do. I find myself complaining about this. And God says, son, you are blessed beyond measure. Stop whining and start shining. And y'all are just like me, some of you. You've been complaining, haven't you? I know you have. It's in our nature to complain. Stop complaining. Jesus is calling us to stop complaining. That's simple, isn't it? Quit complaining. R, the Lord has called us to resist the devil. Submit to God, resist the devil. James 4, 6 and 7. S, serve the Lord. Jesus is calling us to serve the Lord. Psalm 100, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know you that the Lord, he is God. Psalm 100, serve the Lord. T, what does T stand for? Trust in the Lord. The Lord's calling us to trust in him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, he shall direct your path. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. What do you need to trust in the Lord today? What is God saying? Will you trust me? Will you depend upon me? Well, he's calling us to trust you. He's calling us. We'll understand it better by and by. I like that old song. You know it, Nancy. I don't know if Garrett knows it or not. I think you might know it. Trials dark on every hand, and we cannot understand. All the ways that God would lead us through this blessed promised land. But we're trusting in the Lord 
and according to his word. We will understand it better by and by, by and by, when the morning comes, when the saints of God are gathered home. We will tell the story how we've overcome. We will understand it better by and by. I'm telling you, God says right now, you might not understand it. Write this, write this verse down. 1 Peter 4, verse 12. 1 Peter 4, 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, as if concerning the fiery trial as is to try you or test you. And then write down verse 16, chapter 4 of 1 Peter. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. We'll understand it better by and by. Write this verse down. Just came to mind. Romans 8 and 18. I reckon that the present suffering is not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed on us. B, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Well, 50, verse 57. Thanks be to God which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You say, but I, brother pastor, I go out and visit, nobody comes. Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. W, watch and wait. Luke chapter 21, verse 28. Jesus said, in the context, and I've got to be brief. He said, men's hearts will be fretting them for fear. He said, the times of the Gentiles will be fulfilled. There should be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, distress of nations, perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts fretting them for fear for the things which have come upon the earth. And then shall the Son of God come in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Look up. His redemption draws nigh. Watch and wait. Ex, he, he bore our sins on the cross. Ex, para. Why? Our youth is renewed like the eagles. Z, Titus chapter number. And by the way, why is Isaiah 40, 31, if you're wondering? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Mine up with wings as eagles. Run and not grow weary. Walk and not faint. Z, Titus chapter 2, verse 13 following. Looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all of our iniquities, purifying to himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Z, zealous. That word zealous means boiling over. Stand to your feet right now.